0: Everybody, Merry Christmas. Now, how are you all doing tonight? Do you have a good Sunday? I had a great time this morning being in my favorite and the greatest church in all of England, Kensington Temple. How that, now, you should do louder than that. Amen, amen. Now, is everybody way up there in the balcony in the back row? Are you focused? Or right, you can't just do a grocery list in your head while I'm preaching. It's um, so good to see all of you. It's good to be back in England. I flew in uh, Thursday morning, and the Sun was out. It was a British miracle And I heard tomorrow it's supposed to be nice and warm But I'm believing I brought Florida sunshine with me to hang out with us for a month I'm here in England for a month. I'll be back in September and next you'll we'll be here a little bit more in your great country Because I believe England Great Britain is going to have a great revival Amen. and we're all going to be a part of it Amen and um god can do miracles and he can do them through a willing people and you are a people that god likes you know god doesn't tolerate you he embraces you he does not like you from a distance he likes you up close and personal amen up close and personal he sees all your warts and still likes you anyway isn't that wonderful to know monday tomorrow morning we in america start a brand new part of our ministry we go on uh american television for the first time in about 20 years so we launch our new tv show called god's generals Robert Salerdin, so i'm now going to be beaming across america soon to be in england and europe the same way and then i'm going to launch a second tv show yeah you should clap on that one too <clears throat> hallelujah hi guys and uh then i'm going to launch another one just called my preaching gift i'm going to go out there and just let them have what i do best Preach at you until you love me or you hate me. But I won't leave you the same the way I found you. The gospel should change you. It should irritate your wrong. Give hope to the areas where you've given up. And to give you a vision for a great and grand future. Amen. The call of God and the destiny of God is something that is beautiful. And it's worth waking up every day and running toward with all of your might. And it's worth letting go of all of your goofy friends too so you can enjoy all the future that God has for you. Amen? Amen? Open your Bibles back to Romans the 11th chapter. If you weren't here this morning, you may want to go by the bookstore or um, go and order the CD or the DVD from this morning. Because we're going to kind of have part two. At least that's what I planned, but we'll see what comes out as we keep going. Amen? Now, but while you're finding uh, that particular passage in Romans and then also in um, Romans 11th and then we're going to go to Galatians 2... Uh, We're going to look at those two. Now, how many in this beautiful church have never read a Roberts Lairdon book? Can I see your honest confession of faith? Now, this is a terrible, terrible sin. (laughs) We want to encourage you to go by the book table afterwards and outside of you. uh, Also, they carry all of my books in the bookstore. How many knows when I was a little boy, I went to heaven for an afternoon? Anybody ever hear me tell that story before? Uh, The first book I wrote, I wrote almost 25, a little over 25 years ago. I sold a million and a half of them in the first year or so of its existence. And uh, it's a story of what I saw when I went to heaven. Most people get a one-way ticket. They don't get to come back. I got a round-trip ticket. I went there and came back. You don't want to miss heaven. Heaven has one big river and many tributaries called the River of Life. And when you get in it, it goes through you, not around you. Did you know that? Because your body is not life-proof. It may be waterproof, but it's not life-proof. And when you walk around heaven, you'll see birds in uh, in the trees. And uh, they're chirping like they do on earth. But the fun thing is you understand them. How you like that? You don't speak bird talk. You just understand it. So don't get a Walt Disney prediction, a little production in your head. And um, I know when you start talking about heaven, people get these little ideas because they've not seen it. And um, there are houses in heaven, but I saw nobody floating in the air. I saw no angels floating in the air. Everybody was walking. They have two feet and they walk. Good morning. Well, I want to go fly. Well, I I didn't see any flyers. I just saw walkers and and beautiful people, and I saw angels. Angels that I saw stood about six feet to eight feet tall, and some had wings and some didn't, and when their wings would move, they make musical sounds uh, like you would have a synthesizer or something, Like it sounds like music. So sometimes when you're in a very wonderful or glorious service, um, sometimes you hear the angels will sing with you and you think they have harps. No, it's just their wings moving uh, most of the time uh, if you hear into that world like that. And everybody in heaven knows who you are. There's no strangers. They know your name. And people in heaven are aware of what you do on earth to some degree. Maybe not in detail, but they know the gist about your life. And for some reason, I feel like i to share this just for a moment, and I'll get into my message. Sometimes people on earth that we've been praying for to get healed or to overcome a a certain physical challenge, and all of a sudden— they're gone and you're left back here you have to take care of all the arrangements and then you have to deal with the question we were praying we we them with oil we, we had words but they left and then you kind of feel like why did we miss something you go through this great personal evaluation that sometimes is not just and not right in how you view yourself or the people involved and this is a possibility that I think is more than not. Somewhere between the time you talked to them last and their departure, they got a glimpse of the other side. And when people get a glimpse of the other side, no matter how much they love you, they're leaving. And I don't mean to be rude or crude or trying to, but I think sometimes we need to consider that as a true possibility in some of these scenarios that sometimes are hard for us to walk through and to deal with that, they got a glimpse of heaven. They got a feeling of what it is to be to me. If I ever get to go again, I'm not coming back, so don't raise me. But the greatest thing to me about heaven is an atmosphere that has no resistance in it. An atmosphere that does not have anything negative coming at you at any moment of your time there we don't understand that we touch that realm a little bit in our worship sometimes or our prayer or a time where heaven kisses earth in a very unique moment and we call it a glorious time but can you imagine it like that and more forever unhindered unbroken but continually you don't want to miss heaven amen can you say amen so you'll enjoy this book everybody look up i'm going to throw it All right, Mr. Basketball Player out there. Hallelujah. You're great people. I miss you. I miss KT. When I left here, I have to tell you this, and then I'll try to preach. It's Sunday night, so we can relax a little bit, and I bind that clock. When I left England and when I uh, did the graduation and and they gave me the great pictures and all the stuff and got on the plane and went home, I cried the first hour on the plane going back to America. I I thought, what is this? (laughs) So I miss you more than you all know. I appreciate your prayers, appreciate your support, and I always look forward to coming back to Kensington Temple, being with Pastor Colin, Amanda, and Bruce and the team. It was one of the greatest moments of my life to be with you. And one of the greatest things for me personally, I developed muscles that I never had before. <laughs> and let me qualify that so nobody can misuse that statement. Since I was 17 years old, I'd always been in charge of my ministry. My church, I've always been that point person where all the, the the load of the ministry decisions, the success, the failure, all that is, is yours. The point person. When I came here, it was the first time since 17 i was under authority and not in that point position i had not developed those muscles very good and so the first little while i kept making mistakes because i just do stuff oh i need to check in i need to ask how do they do it here so i had to apologize sometimes and i had to like father cover me don't let anybody know i did this (laughs) you know because it was it was a very wonderful time in my personal character building, and I want to say thanks to the team and the board and the church for having me, and I hope that we will always have this beautiful, beautiful friendship, and uh, I'm so glad that those muscles have a little more tone to them now than I did. Sometimes you just got to, God arranges things to benefit you in ways you didn't know. I discovered I was very weak in that department. I thought, what is this? It's called check in Obey the culture, follow the commander in chief here because you used to be the commander in chief, and now the chief had to say yes to the other chief <laughs> and be happy no matter what it is. So, praise us. And now I can say I've done both, and it's good that we all do both. There are times that we are point position that we need to have kindness toward those individuals because they have to make non emotional based decisions, and sometimes people react emotionally to the non-emotional decision. And that causes sometimes different opinions and different attitudes, and then people react to things. And uh, we need to love the people that are in those point positions and pray for them much and give them the benefit of the doubt that what they're deciding and doing is right and that they're doing the best they know And our prayers. Help them to do what they don't know how to do. That's why we need to pray for Pastor Colin and Amanda and the team. And when you're at home, lift them up. Don't just say, oh, I wonder how they're doing. That's not a prayer. That's a thought. That don't bless nobody. Pray a prayer. Speak in tongues. Do a shundai in their direction. Are we in Holy Spirit service night or not? Have I lost my vocabulary and how we communicate this here? But uh, it's, it's a very great honor. So you keep asking. So let me address this about, about my mother. That's one reason why I, I left when I did. We got us our miracle with my mom. And uh, yes, you should, we're very, very happy. We're very happy. So we keep getting emails and Facebook messages. So I want to just go public for a moment, and I'll read my verse. And, um, but uh, the one reason why I left when I did was because the doctor was telling us that my mother needed an open-heart surgery to have a valve replaced in the bottom of her heart. And so since we're a small family, there's only really about four of us in our immediate family. We've got cousins, of course, but my sister, brother-in-law, and me and my mother. So when there's a crisis, we, we run to uh, stand with and, and be beside in those type of, of crises. And so when that happened, I thought, well, I need, I need to make that move to support. So we went back, and uh, she got a clear bill of health on her uh, record of her heart, where she acts like there's nothing ever wrong with her. And uh, go on and live your life and be normal. So, we got it, Amen. So, thank you also for your prayers, and thank you for your uh, blessing uh, of of uh, your support during that time. Because God does miracles, Amen. Amen. And uh, He still is alive, and He likes to do them, Amen. Amen. All right, let's go to the Word. You ready? Are you sure? All right. Romans eleven verse twenty nine is the one that we read this morning. We'll use this as our text to open. Our message tonight it says in verse 29 for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance there are two things that are different from one another here that God gives and grants without a thought of repentance or saying he made a mistake when God comes to a person and offers them a calling which they must choose or reject and then grants them giftings or talent abilities he'll never set up in heaven And say to Jesus, why did we give them that calling? Why did we give them that particular gifting? When God offers you a calling and grants you the giftings, he is never going to have a moment where he thinks, I made a mistake. He is as determined and as excited and as passionate about that invitation and that uh, endowment of gifting to you on the first day as it is 40 years later. His attitude never changes about his decision to give you that invitation and to grant you those endowments of gifts. Now, that also means even when you're kind of squirrely or when you make little remarks or you go the wrong way, God does not change his mind because he has faith too that you're going to come around. Thank you for the no no amens on that point. But God believes that he made the right choice. And even though you go through, some people go through a backslid moment or a place of moving back away from the high part of their calling, he does not change. He remains faithful to his word. He remains faithful to his decision. He remains faithful to make provision for you at every turn that victory can be won for your life and for your purpose in this earth. Amen. Amen. Now, we spoke this morning on the word of calling, what it meant. Just to recap for a moment, a calling in definition terms as I presented it, others may do it differently, and that is fine. I try to find the simplest way to define it. It is an invitation from God to you asking you this question. Will you work for me at this time in the earth to get something I need done to bless humanity and to strengthen his body in the earth? And will you do it in my timing, my attitudes, and my manners? That is what an invitation is. An invitation is also one that one receiving the invitation has to say yes or they can say no. It is not a requirement to say yes at the calling or the invitation of God. I would encourage you to, but you still have the right to say no. As I said this morning, there are those people who think that they rejected or say no to a calling, they might lose their salvation. Not true. They might lose the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. Not true. They might lose some of the promises in the Bible. Not true. Or because they said no to the Lord on a calling, that the the hand of protection of God may be lifted, that gives the devil an accessibility to you that was not there before, not true. So many times people work with their callings out of traditional views and statements that ministers or fellow believers have said that are not accurate, and they build a a second-class mindset. But what does live with the person that says no is throughout your life you will have this question come up. What could have been if I would have said yes? Now I know sometimes that doesn't mean anything to you now for some of you, but it will. When you have those solitary, quiet moments of reflection, or you get in the moving of God's Spirit, I will tell you, that, that will come up inside of you. Whether you verbalize it, whether you ever speak it to anybody around you, it will come up. And that question will live with you throughout your life. And to me, that is very, very tragic to live with a question like, what could have been? What could have been if I would have said yes. If I would have cooperated earlier with that yes, that's a question. Not everybody that God gives an invitation to says yes. (coughs) There were three men that God asked to give a healing anointing to in the 1950s. And three men said no. And there was a red-headed woman at a dead-end street in California who had lost her ministry because she entered a marriage that was wrong for her. She lost her reputation, everything. She ended up with nothing left, she said, but her love for god she walked to that dead end street the day that Catherine kuhlman said i died and i looked up to heaven and i said i have nothing left but my love for you if you can use that use me for your glory and the lord said I finally found somebody. I can get this anointing I've been trying into the earth through a red-headed woman at the worst moment in her life. It's not, as she would say, you being a golden vessel or a silver vessel, that you're a yielded vessel. None of us are qualified to match that great divine invitation that's why he enables us he qualifies us he helps us so some of you that may be sitting tonight or watching me you think well i'm not educated there were a lot of folks who did great things for god that didn't have no degrees from oxford cambridge or william and mary and over in america they were just willing there was a lot of people who didn't come from the right type of breeding, if you want to use that word, the right type of family or the right type of class. To be honest with you, most of them did not come from the right type of family to be what they became. Or Roberts was part Native American, Cherokee Indian, born to a Pentecostal family that were country preachers, and while his mother was pregnant with, with him, went running through a, a field to pray for a neighbor's sick baby in a storm. And while she was lifting up the wire fence to go through the fence to get to the other farm to pray for the sick child, she said, if you'll heal the baby I'm praying with tonight, you can have the one I've got inside. I know it sounds crazy, but it's amazing how these prayers actually are heard and work. Why she said that? I don't know but god took her at his word at her word and her child was named or roberts who was born a stutterer and could not speak clearly as a child made fun of as a little boy in school his uncle would tell his father quit telling that child he's going to be a preacher he can't even ask for chocolate milk to drink because he could not speak, and his stuttering was so, so strong. Plus, the little boy grew up and didn't want anything to do with ministry. He hated being a preacher's child. How they were ridiculed and looked down upon, and above all, he hated being poor. I think we all have that one. It's okay, hate it, so that way you'll get rid of it. And he ran away from home because he wanted nothing to do with his parents one night on a basketball championship tournament the young or roberts fell on the basketball court and began to cough up blood he later found out he was dying of tuberculosis in those days there was no cure you got tb you better get ready because you're about to go to heaven was the attitude of the day because they had no cure. or Roberts had not been born again. Grew up in a Christian home. Not liking anything about it, but respecting his parents, but still not liking anything about it. His father decided, my son might die, but he's not going to hell. So he walked into his son's bedroom where he was sick and dying and knelt at the foot of his bed and said to his son, I'm not getting up until you're saved. And if it takes both of us dying, then we both die right here. There's something about these old-time believers that got that "Mm" inside of them that I think you need and I need. They're not rude where they're just persistent. They're going to get it or die in the process of trying. And he prayed for most of the night, Oral said. Brother Robert said to me, he goes, you know, I tried to go to sleep, but my dad's prayers kept me awake. I tried to ignore him, but his tears, crying out for my soul's salvation, caused me to start trying to, you know, cry himself. And I turned to tell my dad to get out of my room. I looked at his face, and he said, in that moment, I looked at my dad's face and say, get out. His face disappeared and the face of Jesus shone. And he was born again in a few moments after that experience. But he still was dying. The young, born again O. Roberts could not figure out why a God could save him but not heal him. Why was God so mad at him? He had not lived that long, he hadn't done that many bad things, he just didn't want to be a preacher. He didn't want to be poor. He wanted to be the governor of the state of Oklahoma was his desire in life. His brother was driving down the road and saw a tent about the size of the bottom section of this church. He pulled over and he saw a man praying for sick people and they were actually getting healed. He got so excited he drove the car that he had borrowed from his friend because not everybody had cars in those days because everybody was too poor to have a car so you you had a mutual car that one guy bought and everybody used he asked his friend can i borrow your car on friday night my brother's done and i want to take you to the tent preacher because i think god can heal him out there and his friend said sure he put 35 cents worth of petrol in his car. That's all he needed to get there and back. Those were days long gone. <laughs> 35 cents worth of petrol. I doubt you can get a drop for that today. His bro- Oral did not know that his brother had planned this, nor did anybody in his family. But his sister, Jewel, came into the house and went into his room and said seven words that built faith in his heart. Oral, God's going to heal you. You've got to speak faith in the midst of a storm. You've got to speak hope when nobody has hope. You've got to create a hopeful situation by the words you speak and the actions that you have. Oral, God's going to heal you. And he said, Jewel, do you think he would heal me? I rebelled and ran away. He barely saved me. That's how the thinking was in those days. You show your spirituality by making sure you mention all your unworthiness. I'm so glad we have more of a righteous mindset today that we were unworthy, but now we're righteous sons and daughters of the Most High that can boldly go into his throne room and get what we need at the time of need with no shame or embarrassment about it. About that time, his brother came in and said, Oral, and his mom and dad ran in, and he said, there's a guy down the the road here about 10 or 15 miles, and he's got a little gospel tent, and he's praying for sick people, and they're getting healed, and I've got my friend's car, and I put 35 cents worth of petrol, and we're going to take you to the meeting. Not the meeting, the meeting. (laughs) Got to say it Pentecostal style, the meeting. Mm, the meeting. <laughs> he couldn't stand up on his own. He couldn't change clothes. They had to help him. He put on the best clothes, and they wrapped him in the bed sheets as he was in and carried him out to the car and put him over the lap of his father and mother in the back seat as they brought him to the meeting. He was the last person to be prayed for. Everybody else had been prayed for. He was the last one. The last one still gets it like the first one in God's heart. If you're the last one to be prayed for, don't give up. Don't quit. Just hang on. You're going to receive. So the preacher came to the end and Prayed a prayer Oral never heard. He didn't pray to God. He didn't talk to Oral. He laid his hands on his chest and addressed the disease. He said, I command the disease that has taken charge of this boy's lungs, I charge and command you to come out of him in the name of Jesus. And Oral said for the first time in a long time, he breathed a full breath to the depth of his lungs. God healed Oral Roberts of tuberculosis. He went home, breathing deep all the way home, because when you haven't breathed deep and your breath gets shallow every week, You like breathing deep. You like that feeling that I'm living and not dying. The lungs are working the way they're supposed to. And over the next few weeks, his body gained all the strength that he needed. And he began to go with his dad to small country revival meetings. And he'd get up first and tell how God saved his soul and healed him and uh, wanted them to know that God could do it for them. And there was preachers that would sit in the tents in the small Pentecostal churches. And they looked at the young man and they, I like that guy. And they begin to invite the young man to hold youth meetings and small revival meetings because he had a, a glorious testimony and he had an aura of faith about him. And they liked it. And so his little ministry began. To grow just in the country parts of America. He found him a beautiful wife named Evelyn, a school teacher, that a few months before had been the piano player in one of his youth meetings, and he didn't even know who she was and couldn't remember her. But everybody kept telling him, Or, this lady named Evelyn, we think you're supposed to marry her. He said, Why? And he would list all the credentials of Evelyn, and he goes, I like those credentials. So finally he decided to write her a letter because phones weren't as plentiful as in your pocket. You had to go to the guy that had the phone at the general store in Oklahoma at that time to make a call. And so Evan wrote back and said, sure, he would, she would have meet him for dinner sometime. But Oral's mother, which I knew as a little boy, we called her Mama Roberts, was about the same height as John Wesley. About five, two, five, three, and feisty is John Wesley. She had the little Pentecostal bun hairdo. You all know what that is in England? We call it mountain hair in Oklahoma because you can't cut your hair, so you just keep rolling it up and rolling it up and rolling it up and rolling it up until it's how high your hair will become and how holy you become. See, being raised Pentecostal is so much fun. You poor Baptists and Catholics, I feel sorry for you. There's so much more fun among us Pentecostals. We have all these crazy things that at least is entertaining. And his mother goes, you cannot go see her until I check her out. So on his first date with his future wife, there was three people, Oral, Evan, and his mama. So they had dinner and Mama Roberts did most of the talking. Oral did most of the looking. But Oral said, I knew that was the woman that God had prepared for me. And Evelyn said, I had questions, but after a while they disappeared. She's a little slower. Mama Roberts, after the first date, they were driving back several hours to where they lived, says, you can marry her if you want to. She's okay. (laughs) She passed my discernment. She's a holy woman. That's right for you. So they got married on Christmas Day when they made their public commitment to one another. And they begin their young life with a man that had been healed of a dying death disease of tuberculosis. He had served God the best way he knew, but soon after he was healed, God had spoken to him an invitation. Will you take my healing power to your generation. And Oral had said yes, but didn't know how that would start to happen. Some of you here tonight and watching have said yes to the invitation of God before, but you don't know how it will happen. What moment that that word becomes a living happening, a demonstration for the worst doubters to begin to believe. That God did speak. He had taken a small little pastorate in Enon, Oklahoma, a country town. He was trying to finish his university degree, but the pull of that invitation and the concern of when and how does this happen consumed him. He was not happy with his pastorate. Sweet people mainly older people that were going to heaven on time, but he was young and wanted to go do something and didn't know what to do. He felt in his heart an instruction to bring the invitation out of the Spirit and into the earth is a prescription that you must find by hearing God's voice to you the Lord said to him in a very inward way, read the Gospels and the book of Acts three times on your knees. Now God may not ever say anything like that to you, and that's okay. It's whatever God says to you is important to you. I'm telling you this story tonight to illustrate some of the challenges that people are facing after they've accepted the call, not knowing what to do next. Oral's frustration of not knowing what to do about the word he had received and that he had said yes to that invitation. So he closed himself up in a room in his home and he got on his knees and he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and the Acts of the Apostles. Finished it and didn't leave the room and began to read them again. Because God said three times on your knees. He did it a second time. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts of the Apostles. And he went back to Matthew and began to read them the third time. Nothing had happened. Sometimes when you obey, there is no feeling. There is no sensation. There is no happening. It's your naked obedience without a feeling. You'll find that most of your calling will be lived like that. We sometimes, that minister from the platforms, we tell these incidences of vision and feelings and glorious happenings. And we leave the impression that happens all the time. But to be honest with you, what happens more than that all the time is obeying without a sensation. To obey without a feeling, a hearing, or a seeing. He finished it the third time. Got up. From his knees and ask his wife to help prepare a meal because he had not eaten much during this time period of almost a day and a half or so. And while he was cleaning up, preparing to have a meal, something happened. A new kind of faith and understanding came to him. All of a sudden, all of that obedience and reading gave him a foundational revelation that jesus came into the world to save the lost and to heal their sick bodies no matter what they did or where they came from he began to see the compassion of jesus for every person in the world his judgment against behavior, His judgment against their mistakes faded away in the light of God's compassion that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would just believe in Him should receive life everlasting. That begin to move His insides. And then he put God to a positive test. He said, if you've called me to a healing ministry, remember in those days, there weren't many of them. There were accidental healings. Not on purpose prayers for healing like you do in this great church. And you're taught by your leaders in the cell groups, the platform, and the Bible colleges how to heal the sick, how to cast out devils, how to get breakthrough." What you forgot, most of these people never even knew existed. And may I make a statement like this? What KT people forget, most of the world has never even heard it to forget it. You are a precious people. You are highly favored by God in revelatorial teaching by Colin and Bruce and these men and women that come in the guest speakers. Always value what you have here. Don't ever grow angry and disconnect From the plow of revelation that comes to your soul you're one of the great churches of Europe and the world not because of fame but because the men that have led before calling and calling himself have kept Christ first his mission right and have done sincerely their best to obey at every moment and God has honored that with him and with you and it is precious in our time it is valuable in our day. Perfection is never found on the earth. Sincerity can be found though. Oral said to God, you want me to have a healing ministry? Okay. Sincerely, but, you know, Brother Roberts had a certain vibe of of, of faith about him. He said, I'm going to rent an auditorium that seats a Over a thousand people for three days. You have to give me a thousand people tonight. All the bills have to be paid, and one miracle, or I'm going to go do business and head for the governorship of Oklahoma. He hadn't quite lost that desire yet. It's amazing. God can heal you, but this other thing still lives out here that has to die one day. Or it' always be a plan B that the devil can use to pull you from where you belong in times of contrary winds. So he announced it. His little church had less than 100 people in it, so it couldn't be all the folks from his church. He put a little ad in the newspaper. Gospel meeting, prayer for them that are sick nightly. Free will offering. All welcome. And his picture. Always put your picture so they know who they're looking for. So he and his wife and his little baby, he had at that time got in their car from the little Oklahoma home and headed to the auditorium. And when he got there, you're stopped by a policeman and said, Who are you? He said, I'm all Roberts. He goes, Oh, you're the preacher. I got to let you in. Your auditorium is full. We've got to shut the doors, nobody else can get in. He, had God had given him over 1,200 people the packed house. <clears throat> first victory, first confirmational sign. They got to pay for the thing. When the crusade was over, they had paid all the bills and had about $3 left over. In those days, that's called a good meal. Today, that's called a small hamburger from McDonald's. Are you enjoying this? Sometimes the best way I can help you with what I'm trying to express is through a story. A story will go home with you and live. He prayed the first night and not much happened. And he was kind of upset about that part because that was a totally God part. All of a sudden, he began to pray for the sick. The first person who had an arthritic hand, who could not hold a pin, all crippled up, said, I need my hand fixed. And Oral touched that hand and prayed, and all five fingers and wrist was loosed and was perfectly healed. And they went, ha, ha ha! You know how people get healed and they don't believe it? It's their hand. It's not going away. They try kind to of shake it, and get rid of it, but it's, it's there. When they saw that, people jumped up out of the auditorium seats and began to flock around brother and grab his hands and say, pray for me and pray for me. It almost became an overwhelming thronging. God had confirmed to Oral that he was going to perform what he promised when he was healed from TB. All of a sudden, The healing power of God found somebody to work through. A vessel that was willing to pay a price. The adventure of faith. Walking into the unknown future. To have God's presence known by the masses. The call of God is an invitation. Now, you can say yes or no to. Faith does not make life easy. It just makes everything possible. You should write that down. Because somehow in our way of living today in ministry of faith, we somehow have assumed that the life of faith is victorious. But we have attached to it that There are no times of adversities, of contrary winds that blow against the purpose of God and the sincerity of your heart. Faith does not make life easier. It makes all things possible. Faith does not make life easier. It just makes all things possible. Mm. When things look like they're not going to work, faith makes it possible. When the doom has been broadcast far and wide about you, Faith makes all things possible. It confounds those who have written your benediction from the life of ministry, the life of hope. Paul said it this way, the life that I now live, I don't live by my own ability. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Every one of us have been given a deposit, a portion of Christ's faith in our heart. Not one of us lives without that deposit of faith. I don't care who you are or where you've come from, what you have or have not done in your life. You've been given a measure of the Lord's faith. Every one of you, please do something with it. Please use it to benefit the world that we live in and the kingdom we're a part of. We live this life not by the security of the natural. We live it by the faith that God has given us. We Christians live on a more sure foundation if we'd ever get all three parts of our being moved over to its foundation and find security there. We live so much going back and forth that we don't know what land we're in. So when we hit a trial, we run to the most familiar, which is mainly the natural side of our life. I want you To get so far into the life of faith, you can't find your way back to natural uh, responsibilities in the sense of what you rely on for victory. Get so far out there with your walk with God that you've lost your way back to carnal living. You've lost your way back to expecting earth to come through, and only God is your source. God... Becomes your morning and your night. Your hope and your tomorrow. You live a life that people do not comprehend in their intellect because it's not an intellectual life. That's why I would never be a part of a church that doesn't have a spirit-filled life to it. I don't want intellectual theology. I don't care how much Greek and Hebrew you may know. If you cannot live it, move on down the road. I want a person that can live it and produce it to speak to me and speak into my life and to encourage my soul. I hope you're the same. Your great nation has blessed so many nations in so many ways. But it's almost like the boat is tipping on intellectual theology the affirmation of the intellect what i understand there are many people who understand things but can't do anything it's when that seed of faith inside of you moves you to step out of the boat of your life onto the sea of the impossible and you start living by that measure of faith you need never to ask God for faith you've already got it it's living it and using it all of a sudden Oral's ministry begin to explode they found a man who God had hooked up with in a union, God offered an invitation, and a man said, yes. His prayer lines at the end of his crusades, the newspapers would say would be two, sometimes three miles along from the tent for Oral to pray for the sick. Think of having a prayer line of two to three miles long of people needing healing. One afternoon, God came to Brother Roberts again. He said, will you build me a university? And Brother Roberts goes, I've done doing the healing ministry. Isn't that enough? Because after you've done that for so many years and seen the needs of humanity and giving and giving, your body is tired. He's not old, but he's a little tired. He said, I need a university based on the authority of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you build it with me? Or Roberts could have said no. He said, well, God, if you need a university built like that, I'll do it. Yes. He took another great mantle and said yes to the second invitation of his life. He had not even finished his own university degree when he had said yes to build a university. He was not a university-degreed man. His healing ministry stopped his training but gave him a great life. He didn't know how to build a university. And here's what he did. There was a pasture of cows in South Tulsa that he had access to that he would walk the cow pasture and pray in tongues like Bruce was preaching today at 2.30. He would pray in tongues and then interpret back to his mind what the Spirit of God was saying to him. And that's how Orr Roberts learned how to build a university. Why do I tell you this? You may not be from Oxford, but you know the all-knowing one. And he is willing to take the knowledge that he knows and give it to you and show you how and whom and what and when to do something, to create something by faith. Think a man built the first university based on the Holy Spirit ever in the world like that. A full gospel university, we'd call it. Fully accredited by the state recognitions of America. And he got it. Oh, and there goes a cow. There goes another cow. He's out in a cow pasture with cows. You don't have to be in church to pray. You can be in a cow pasture and here. It's amazing sometimes that we laugh at that comment, but I make these comments sometimes because you don't read my mail. People ask me questions. Will God talk to me outside of a church? Most of God's talks are outside of a church. How many of you know that to be true by an experience in your own life? Lift your hand up so everybody can see. See, God talks to folks outside of church. He can speak to you in church, but... In a cow pasture. With cows eating grass and doing other things. And he's praying. Here goes the cows. And then he'll wait for the Spirit of the Lord to come back on him to interpret what he prayed out in tongues to his mind so he'll know what to do in the natural, who to call, what to do, what to bind, And slowly, this native Oklahoman, part Cherokee Indian, I was dying of tuberculosis and had become known in america as the great faith healer announced i'm going to build god a university to educate his children so they can go into every man's world and be quality workers and hear god's voice and take the gospel into every man's workplace we are the pastor's I don't think that's Jesus now let me explain why some of those pastors had that attitude because they had sent their kids before off to the universities of the day they were not spirit-filled there were some nominal Christian ones but mainly they were quality secular universities when their children came back from school they came back not believing anything they were taught by their parents or by their pastor and questioning and making fun of what they knew to be the truth before they went to school. So they believed, if you get educated, you'll lose your anointing. Now, it was the wrong conclusion, but in the light of not having a Spirit-filled based university, you could understand their concern so when their hero or roberts who they knew god was with because they saw the miracles that god did through his hands and the thousands that were saved in one year he had over a hundred thousand men born again he noticed in the early pentecostal church of america that many of the churches were full of women and children he goes where are the men Because women go to church. That's what a woman's thing is. He says, it's time to change that. And he believed in one year for 100,000 men to get saved. And he went over that figure by a few thousand. Whoa, hallelujah. Now, build me a university on the authority of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. He learned how to do it by speaking and praying in the unknown language and allowing the spirit of god through interpreting it back what it was who to call what to do and the lord said the land you've been praying on is where you'll build it and he goes a cow pasture now that land is worth over a half a billion dollars the cow pasture where he prayed. It is the most plush part of Tulsa where the university is. He began to announce it, overcame the opposition by his own brothers in the faith, the state and the government. Why would you build a university? You're crazy. You're an insane man. You do things that are not logical and intellectual. Why would you want to do that? He said, God asked me to build him a university. A call came, and he did it. His good friend, Dr. Billy Graham, came on opening day and was the speaker for that grand opening. And Earl Robert stood behind the podium with over 300 students the first year, my mother being one of them. And cried. Sometimes you think living by faith is woo. No, that's the victory of faith. Faith doesn't make things easier, it just makes things possible. Possible. Before he died, He had trained over 10,000 graduates of his university. They are senators, doctors, lawyers, TV stars, movie stars, senators, judges, mayors. Some of the elite of our American society owes their education to a man, That walked a cow pasture and prayed in tongues. A calling, yeah, you can clap if you want to. A calling is an invitation, it doesn't mean you're qualified for it altogether, it means you're willing to do what God needs done by His enablement. His giftings to you in His way, His timing, and His passions. Many start outright with the acceptance, but they don't protect that which made them begin and become successful. In the land of victory and success, many let go of those things that gave them that victory and success. They quit relying on their prayer life. They're seeds that they give with their money and their time and their words. And they start relying on the mechanics that's been built around them, thinking that's what made them what they were, the cameras, their popular friends, their elitism that their success has opened doors of honor to in society. And all of a sudden, they think that's what they are. Catherine Kuhlman would always say, I know better than anybody else from whence I have come. I know better than anybody else. I have nothing whatsoever to do with these miracles. I'm as surprised at you when they're healed because I know Catherine Kuhlman can't heal anybody. He found a vessel to work through. The university builds a national basketball team, now plays in all the national sports events. I remember seeing when it comes time for the sports news on the news hour, when ORU was, won the tournament or won the game, it was not ORU, it was Oral Roberts had won. They forgot to say Oral Roberts University. It was Oral Roberts always winning all the games. It's kind of a joke in Tulsa. National television. Then one afternoon, God comes to him again for the third time. You think two's enough, don't you? (laughs) This might show you that God really needs you. He's wearing the other guys out because other folks are going, "Uh -uh. uh-uh. Wait until I got four grandkids and then I'll obey. All that negotiation I talked about this morning. Oh, Roberts hears God saying, build me a hospital. I'll wait for this one. <laughs> University you can kind of get. But a healing evangelist with a gift in his right hand that zaps people and they get healed without shots and doctors and pills. And then God says, build me a hospital. And Brother Roberts told me, I said, he said when I heard that the first time, I thought it was the devil. The invitation sometimes makes no logic because it's what God is looking for somebody to work with. Somebody that will say, yes, I will yield. Yes, I will give you the glory. Yes, I will do it the way you want it done. And no matter what it costs me, I'll do it for you. No matter how much laughter is made at me and jokes about me and misunderstandings, I will serve you and do it. Your way to accomplishment. Build me a hospital. And he says, this hospital is unique by this way. He said, Oral, I need you to put the prayer of faith and the doctors together. The two hands of healing the healing hand of faith and the healing hand of man come together to work together to heal humanity of their sicknesses and their diseases and their pains. I want you to tell the world I want these two together. I want them to see that doctors and healing can be friends and work together and move together to help Mankind. I was a teenager when he announced that one. I was in the service that he announced that one. Seven thousand people in the auditorium that day. He walked out on stage, and we knew there was something because there was this big thing under a, a screen back there. He told the story I mentioned to you briefly, how that he had saw again God's heart toward the hurting the sick, and them that were dying prematurely early. He said, some have faith to be healed, but some don't. He goes, I want to do both and put them together to help the people. He said, I saw a hospital rise in the middle, 60 stories high. I saw on one side a research center to help find cures for things that would go 30 stories high. I saw another building on the third side or the other side that would go 20 to facilitate other aspects of medical science. He said, I saw in a vision doctors at the operating table before they made the incision and before they put the person under, bowed their head and asked God for help. That prayer and medicine would work together to make people live an overcoming, victorious, pain-free life. Now, Oral had faced many a storm throughout his life. But this was the biggest. Because now the medical science community of America went, No! And all the healing people go, Why? And very few went, yes! The invitation doesn't always get the hurrahs, especially in its beginning, because some people can't see that Jesus did say, them that are sick need a physician. Them that are sick need the prayer of faith and call for the elders of the church. He said both of those things. Medical science and healing miracles are not contrary. They are brothers of the same family from our healing God. Now notice the claps on that point because we're still voting on it. Still in some of our full gospel churches. He raised 220 million dollars by donations. And that 60 story building went up. That 30 story building building went up and the 20-story building went up opening day came they hired the doctors they got the best medical equipment which took another about another 100 million so the project was close to 330 some million dollars to just get it ready to open and he did it by seed faith put that in your gospel british pipe and smoke that Somehow we've got to get into your heart. That planting a seed creates a harvest. And that's how God funds these grand, great projects. It's not the manipulation of the people. It's the sowing of a seed that creates a harvest that makes these things come to pass. It's not an American thing. It is a biblical thing. I was in the service. And Ronald Reagan, the president of that time, spent a special envoy and a letter on opening day of the hospital called the City of Faith. And it opened. The national media and the world media could not believe the Cherokee Indian that got healed of TB, that walked a cow pasture and built a university actually built one of the most beautiful hospitals in the midwest part of america a faith healer who said in his right hand there was a gift that heals people now build a hospital i've been to that hospital you walk in instead of saying hello they say praise the lord (laughs) how are you today It doesn't have a death spirit in it. It has a faith atmosphere that no matter what you're challenged by, we're going to believe and we're going to work and you're going to have a miracle. You're going to come out of that thing. Now this is a fact. Financial troubles came because they kept getting people healed where they didn't have to pay their medical bills. See, we don't have NHS yet. Everything's done private insurance in my country, as you know. So one of their problems, I asked Brother Roberts one time, I said, is this true? He said, yeah, it's true. He goes, they come in the hospital and these surgeries and these things would take this amount of money and they get healed. They didn't need all those procedures. said, so then we had to figure out how to make it economically work. Think of that kind of a problem. My hospital's so good, they get healed just coming on the property. They don't need a shot or a jab, as you call it. They don't need any pills or any... (laughs) The nurse goes, well, let's just pray about that. In the name of Jesus, come out of them and be healed. Woo! And the x-ray, and it's all gone. (laughs) And that is true. They've got facts. They've got the testimonies, the the, the documentation of it. And Or Roberts merged medicine and prayer. And made a statement, especially in America, that the two are not at odds. They can work together to benefit humanity because the source of both, all healing, is God. I was with him before his death. I said, Brother Roberts... Are you ready to go home? He goes, not yet. I thought, oh God, help us. He's eighty-some years old. Are you going to do another one of these wild things? He goes, I got to make sure that the anointing that I have stays alive after I'm dead. You're not finished until you have a certain, a certainty that that which you have done can remain in some fruitful manner in the generation to come. He says, I must make sure that the healing power of God does not die in this time of secularization of my country, speaking of America. He was older now. But every breakfast he had a visitor, somebody from somewhere in the world he would allow to come to his home in California and break a meal with them and speak faith and hope and wisdom. And before they would leave, they would kneel next to his chair that he set in his home. And he'd raise up and take that right hand that touched over three million people that we know of to pray for their sick. And he asked God to give each one of those visitors for the next so many years of his life a portion of his grace. He said, God, I stepped out and believed. And men did not know you wanted these things. Now let's break this mantle into beautiful pieces and give it as a deposit that they may go into the new generations with that healing power, with that faith that wins and the spirit that never gives up. And he spent the last years of his life with two to three visitors Maybe more a week coming to his home. His body began to age as it all does. He prayed for me many times. I can still hear his voice. When he would pray, he could paint a picture with his words. He was a great orator. I come to the gods that I have served since I was a little boy. I come to your throne again as I had many times throughout my life. You're familiar with me because I don't leave until I know you anointed me afresh. I am now old, but I'm not gone. He always would say that. I'm not gone. And I come and I ask that you grant me one more touch of this mighty power that I can deposit it into this one in front of me. Let the hand that reached out around the shores of Galilee that healed the blind, he'd move his head like this, that opened the deaf ears where the mothers could hear the children's cry and laughter. Let the hand of the man that raised the dead and gave them back to their families and turned their tears into laughter and joy. Touch me like you have done so many times. I ask you to grant me that one more petition. And he'd wait for a moment. Is here it comes. He turned that right hand into an attack mode. And when that anointing would hit the top of his head and come down his shoulder into his right hand, when it hit his elbow to his fingers, he'd hit you. Bam! And he was not feel like no 80-year-old man doing it. There was something physically strong, because you could feel that, But then there's that spiritual impartation. Whoom! And he'd leave it on there. He'd receive. At that point, he became a man of one-word prayer directives before he'd paint a picture. And then when that anointing come on him, he said, you don't pray when it's there. You give command to direct it. Receive. Be healed come out of them rise up and you could feel electricity come out of that hand and go through your body and go back and forth he'd take his hand and make says, you felt that didn't you he goes it's the best feeling of any feeling in the world he goes and one day i'll get to live in it and it there will have to come. It will be something I have all the time. It's called His presence. A calling is an invitation to work with God to get what He needs done in the earth at this time. And it is a person that agrees to do it His way, his timing, and in his manner. He is still looking for this grand nation of Great Britain for some people to say yes. To once again cross this nation with a coal in their mouth of fire, with a passion That will not be hindered no matter what happens in the natural. No matter how contrary the winds of adversity may be and the sarcasm of accusation may come against you. That you stay firm. That at that moment in your life, you said yes to the Almighty and He said yes back to you. And a covenant had been made that He will never break daniel said he's a god that does not break covenant he stands and changes not there are moments in your cold obedience when your best friend questions what you're doing are you sure they'll say in a polite manner of unbelief it's amazing how unbelief comes in so many packages it just came with one big package called Here I Am. You could see it and deal with it, but it, it comes in all kinds of bows and ribbons and tones and sounds and gestures and oh and it bites you. That's why you got a shield and a sword, pam, and protect yourself. England, your greatest days are ahead of you. British Church. Your greatest hour of glory is just over the horizon of our lifetime. It's not over yet. It's not done. There is a great move of God coming to this grand island. And again it shall spring forth with many voices of many genders and many kinds. And there will be the unusual acts of accomplishments of faith. Let's believe it. Let's encourage one another. Let's lift them up. Let's sow seeds. Let's pray for them. Let's defend them when we can. And never be ashamed of God or His servants. Or Roberts was walking one afternoon and fell. And he hurt his hip because he'd grown a little bit feeble in his ability to walk. And they rushed him to a hospital in Southern California. His son Richard and his only living daughter Roberta flew from Tulsa to his bedside. They got there and talked to the doctors, and the doctors had their natural concern that it had broken, and there was trouble and stuff. So they were going to help him, and they're going to go in and pray for their dad while they were talking to the doctor all of a sudden they heard this loud singing coming down the hallway of that hospital and everybody kept thinking who is this and even the children were like, what's that noise finally it, they figured out it was their dad and it was or roberts in the hospital room and he began to sing all the old tent songs that he would sung all those years, his most favorite, where the healing waters flow, I will go. And his son and daughter walked in and go, Dad, and he goes, join me. They thought they'd given him too much something, and he was kind of having, a, you know, a little bit of a euphoric theme that wasn't, but it really was the Lord. And they all started singing, and he was correcting them because they'd forgotten some of the words. Ah, no, no. no. It's this. Ninety-some years old. Finally, quiet down for a few minutes. from singing a few of those songs. And he goes, I get to go to heaven today. I'm done. And they go, Dad, don't say that. He goes, no, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm, I'm done. Graduation time has come. I get to go to heaven today. So I'm getting ready. And they realized it was true. So there in the hospital room, they also began to sing the songs again. And the glory of the Lord came. They sang for almost over an hour, I was told. All the different songs that he remembered, that he would sing. He'd hear the thousands under the tent would sing. And all of a sudden, he, they said medically, he went unconscious. I think he just left. His body took a while to catch up. That's the way I would explain it. And he fell asleep or went unconscious. They thought he was being too exuberant and he, and he lost his breath. Yeah, he, he left. They said that he's, oh, the angels are here. So within the next less than 24 hours after that, they pronounced him on this earth as deceased. But like Catherine Kuhlman said, one day you'll hear, I think Wigglesworth said this too, that I have died. But don't believe it. I'm more alive then than I was when I was with you. And that's how you end the life of faith. Amen? Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. Did you enjoy that tonight? You feel better? I want you to believe. I want you to believe again. Be friends with your people that you're sitting next to. Encourage their faith encourage their soul don't let them give up don't let them quit speak pray lift sing something good is going to happen to you in this country something good is going to happen to you in this country oh hallelujah hallelujah
1: hallelujah Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Something good is going to happen to Great Britain! Whoa! Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah! Something good, something grand is going to happen in our lifetime! Hallelujah! It's not fantasy. Faith makes all things possible. Keep believing. Even if all you have is a little bit of faith, use it. Use it. Yes. Hallelujah. Where's our singers? Come forth and come hither. (laughs) <laughs> now you're that wild new woman I like you I was spying on you from the upper room you know the song of the Lord you ought to sing that no it's not a song it's a song you get get one find the song of the Lord and sing it to us you guys follow her Our hands for a moment as we come into this moment
1: of worship.
0: Step out there in the middle and be strong about it. you're a person here tonight that you think that the call of God that has come to you has been taken away or is gone or there's been some trouble that makes you feel like that which God originally said is gone I want to pray for those people that thinks that, that what God asked you to do is now gone and it's not there If that is how you're thinking, how you feel on the inside and you say, Roberts, you don't know what I've done and I don't want to know, God can fix anything. He can restore the lost years that you've wasted. But I want you to come back in faith toward Him. If you're a person who thinks that that call that's come to you, that request of God is gone because of mistakes or you didn't say yes and there's this question and you need it to come to a settlement. Come down here very fast. Just step out from the balcony the main floor and just come and fill up the front. The prayer workers can come and take your place. I'm sorry if you want to come and stand in front that's fine. Come very quickly. The prayer workers can come and stand in front of them as you always do. Very quickly, very quickly. Come, come, come. I know it's after nine o'clock, but you'll survive. God wants to restore and redeem time and space in people's lives. Prayer workers, just flow in the anointing and pray for them as you feel led. I pray for you tonight. Reach your hands out toward these of you would, folks. We pray for you tonight that new hope comes to you. Restoration comes to you. New hope and new restoration comes to you. I pray that new beginnings come and that the spirit of unbelief comes off and out of your life let the spirit of faith come over you again as we lay hands on you now we bless you and let that spirit of faith come in the name of jesus we release it go ahead prayer workers and pray for them as you feel led let's worship the lord here come on let's lift your hands up and let's begin to pray in tongues one more time you that are waiting to be prayed for, just begin to pray that let God touch you where you're standing. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we lay our hands on you and we say, be free. Let redemption come, restoration come, deliverance come. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh, glory be to God forever and forever and forever we have a song we can sing let's, let's worship go ahead Let your river flow. receive new life and new faith in the name of Jesus we break the powers of unbelief come out of them be free and be healed in the name of Jesus In Jesus' name, we break the powers of these things that bind you. In Jesus' name, life, abundancy. In the name of Jesus, we break it. I'm going to go back that way. In the name of Jesus, we break the powers that bind you. We release new hope and new faith over you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We bless you in Jesus' name. I'm going to go that way. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. New beginnings in your life. We break the power of these things. In Jesus' name. Are you saved? He needs to get saved. Can you need to take care of him? In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna go straight down this side. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak life. Here, I'll hold your hand. We speak life. New hope and redemption into your life. That which has been lost, be restored. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We pray for him. In Jesus' name. Name. New life. We break that spirit of rejection. Come out of this and be free. In the name of Jesus. We pray for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You don't have to fall how you do. Gonna get better. Well, that's good. Father, bless her and restore that which has been lost. Recorrect her steps in her path. Make things right and make things good. Right. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, Father. Bless In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Smile lady. It's a good day, not a bad day. God bless you. How you doing? How are we all doing over here? Are we okay? How ramp you doing? Alright. God bless you. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Are you doing better now? I'm going to pray for you. It's going to be okay. Father, bless my friend Help Him. Restore everything lost. Redeem time that's been given to the wrong thing. And make new. And make fresh. And cause yourself, Father, to be revealed in a way that He understands. And I bless Him. You okay? Amen. Hey, mama. Father, healer. Make her every bit whole. Take sickness and disease from her midst. And give her new strength you've never had. In Jesus' name. How are you doing? In the name of Jesus. We lay our hands upon you and say, be blessed and be healed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. You doing okay? You're nervous? Father, bless her, and give her a good time. Amen. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You okay? You pray in tongues? Every day? Pray every day, okay? Work on that.
2: Keep ministering here at the front. Roberts is going to keep ministering. But while we're in this place, we want to take an opportunity for you to bless Roberts and his ministry. I'm sure that many of you will have received something from God tonight. And you know that there's not many places you can go to hear a word like that and to hear experiences like that of how God blesses and releases. So stewards, can you please begin to make available offering envelopes for those who want to bless Roberts and his ministry? Please don't start to leave as yet. The service isn't finished. The ministry will be going on but we want to give an opportunity for this. So the stewards are coming to you. Simply raise your hand in the air, receive one of these from them, and fill it out in a normal way. And we'll be passing on all of your gifts to Roberts and his ministry, okay? Is that all right? So stewards, please begin to make these available for everyone. Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing here today. We thank you for the faith that you've imparted here today. We thank you for the strength that you've imparted here today. And Lord, we ask, Father, that you'd put something in our hearts this evening lord god that would echo in eternity lord god that people would come and remember the great things that you've accomplished in the earth through this word lord today in jesus name so receive that seed. stewards as soon as you can if you can start to pass around the the buckets that would be fantastic and if we can have two by the doors just as people are leaving that would be great as roberts comes to finish let's sing one more song sing one more song how's
0: everybody doing lift your hands up one more time I know we have to come to a close but sometimes we want to go all night for some things people are still being prayed for and that is good Father bless this house bless them in the balcony the main floor and those who have already had to leave bless them on their way home may strength come to them wisdom and boldness health and life prosperity and accuracy in the work of the Lord be blessed In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Give God a good shout. And let's sing one more song. Go ahead.